Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast. Our... Uh, Preview series marches on, despite the season being shrug emoji, TBD, right, Matt? Is that what we're saying? Exactly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Same as always, yeah. Same as always. Uh, asterisk, not patented pending, but uh, pending the season. But hopefully that's not the case. Um, if you like our podcast, first time tuning in or you just stumbled across us or you're a long-time listener, go subscribe. Maybe give us a rating over at the Apple Podcast Store. If you like what we're doing, let other people know because we'd like more people to listen, Matt, right? So go leave reviews, glowing tweets. People apparently seem to like us, but we'd like Matt more people to like us, correct? Exactly. So mwwire.com is our website. Anywhere you get a podcast, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google, wherever you get them, go listen to that. But this week, Nevada Wolfpack. And, you know, it's interesting, Matt. I put Boise State in a poll this week. I thought Bronco fans would came out big. What happened? <laughs> they, they might be holding back a little bit. Because, you know, typically when we do these offseason previews, Boise State is one of, if not the last team that we preview. And I think it's because, you know, Boise State fans like to, you know, pop their collar a little bit, things like that. Be like, no, why, 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 why would you want to talk about us now? Save the best for last. We, we do – we're strategically when we want to put these out a little bit. And I would like – okay, to be fair, the better teams, like teams expected to be better, like Nevada should be good out west. We're getting to them. Air Force last week, which you should go back and listen to. We added 10, 10 to 12 minutes with the Donald Hammond news. Boise being good. Like we kind of put San Diego State. We kind of – kind of – we did the kind of new coaches as well to kind of get them an early bump. So we hold off the better teams because people like to listen to it. But I also don't want the last week because if it's one week before the season, that podcast probably gets a fewer listens because only one week to listen to San Jose State or New Mexico. It's not fair. You know what, though? What? I've been looking forward to this one. What, why is that? What's your, um, what do you like about Nevada? Let's just get into it. Okay, so we'll start as we always do by kind of looking back at, at last season and uh, by by using this to answer one of the questions that we had um, from one of our followers on Twitter at MWC Wire is actually last uh, Nevada Wolfpack punter Quentin Conaway who posed the question to us about you know how is Nevada snubbed from bull predictions every year 
Uh, I'm looking at the schedule on the roster. Uh, I'm wait, not what, sure did I, what, did I, what did I do? Did I not put him in a bowl game this year? <laughs> our, it's been a little while since he's in our bowl projections, but yeah, you might be at fault. We for will for that because we will need to update with uh, Air Force losing quarterback Utah State, and we're doing our all-conference stuff. You, basically, you're doing it, Matt. We put it together, voted, but you're writing the stuff up. I think it's a good time to do a new bowl prediction this week as well. So we'll get to that, but I'm going to look up right now what I dished them on. So go with the question. I guess I'm responsible since I did the bowl projections for the website. So, I mean, so essentially he was saying, you know, he doesn't, he's not sure why the team isn't talked about more. And I think if you look at the first three years of the Jay Norvell era and, and last year, I'm roping into this is really no exception. Not all the pieces have come together at the same time yet. I think is what that kind of sort of comes down to because, you know, you just look at their year by year SP plus, for instance, and you look at some of the disparities that they've had in the last few years between offense and defense. Like when, when Norvell came in in 2017, you know, the, 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 the offense was way ahead of the defense, mm-hmm. but they still had a losing season that first year. And then, you know, 2018, they were actually a lot closer and, you know, by SP plus overall, that was the best team that, Norvell has put together and then last year there was another huge disparity but it was the uh, defense that was ahead of the offense and multiple quarterbacks then, last year remember that it switched around every other week it seemed like but even then the defense kind of sort of took a step back from where it was in 2018 for a number of reasons some of which was due to injury some of which was just due to you know backsliding and and you know when you look at what Nevada actually co- accomplished on a week-to-week basis they might have been the most unpredictable team in the conference from week to week yeah, there's... you know, because because one week they could get blown out by 51 by Hawaii, and then the next week they could be, you know, walking it off against San Jose State, or, you know, losing a nail biter to UNLV or something like that. With a br- and so, you know, I think that the story of last year in particular is that you could make a pretty convincing argument that they were maybe more lucky than good. And I know that I brought this up on at least one previous team preview, but I think it's worth bringing up here for the Wolfpack in, in particular. They were 5-1 and one in one-score games last year. Mm-hmm. And they needed every last one of them to secure bowl eligibility. Um, but but, yeah, but then the season could have been even better had they lost or had they won that game against Yolanda to, to win the Fremont Cannon at the end of the year because they lost that game by three points. Overtime. Yeah, and so... I think the story going into 2020 and why I have been looking forward to, to talking about the, the Wolfpack is that I think there's a prime opportunity to, to, to flip that script because I think that there's a very good chance for them to be more good than lucky, which you couldn't always say about them in the last couple of years. I think, you know, going back to the overall picture in the Mountain West as far as returning production, this is one of the teams, and I know that we talked about it most previously with Colorado State, Nevada's got an edge as far as their returning production coming back on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I think with the schedule, which we'll talk about in a little bit, with all the pieces they have coming back, I think the talent is in place for them to be able to make a run at a division crown. I think it's possible as well when you look at, I'm looking at last year's 2019 schedule. They had, I mentioned a quarterback situation, they had Carson Strong, they had Malik Henry, and Henry was it? Uh, Christian Solano. Three. Di- those guys played. They played three quarterbacks last year. Strong came on at the end, and he's a presumptive starter this year. He started the first three games, and then he played the last what five or six because stuff with Blake Henry, who 
he wasn't kicked off the team, but he wasn't really in the best standing. And then Solano, I forget, I think there was an injury with him, I believe. Wasn't his the hand thing in preseason, I believe? Or not Solano. Um, yeah, Solano. I think there was a hand thing because he was supposed to be a starter last year. And he did not because he got the injury. But you got Carson Strong back. You have um, Toa Tala there running game. Wide receiver group brings back some of the guys in our top 50. So you're right. They bring a lot back. Plus a big edge. Coaching staff is there. Unlike most of the West Division, San Jose State's the only school that doesn't have a new coach out West. Yeah, and I think that since we typically start about you know, start by talking about quarterbacks, that strong is really kind of the, the microcosm of how this team could take a step forward this year because he played in 10 games last year, and yeah, I think he was really emblematic of the fact that they were really uneven from week to week because you know there were some games where you know he would come out and just not play her well to be honest mm-hmm. you know like even even in games that they won against weaver state you know he had to throw the ball 44 times and, and didn't have any touchdowns had two interceptions um or against hawaii like the blowout we talked about a little bit ago he was only 7 of 14 46 yards one interception things like that but when he turned the corner i think the team the offense especially really kind of turned the corner with him because you look at from November onwards, you know, he threw the ball 200 times. He had, what was it, eight touchdowns against one interception. And he generally played like one of the better quarterbacks in the conference at that point. And that was when they were able to, you know, upset San Diego State and Fresno State, both of those games on the road. And even though they ended up losing the the, the battle for the Fremont Cannon, they ended up losing the Potato Bowl. You can't really pin either of those on him. You know, the potato bowl might have been his best game of the season. And so I think that, you know, obviously it's it's a, at least a little shaky to kind of extrapolate one half season's worth of results into, you know, the, the forthcoming season. But I think that if you're a Wolfpack fan, you can be optimistic about his ability to take a step forward because, as you mentioned at the onset, he's not the only one coming back in this offense. They've got pretty much everybody else coming back, too. Yeah, they get receivers, Tawatua, who I was kind of, I feel bad about how I was on him last year too much because his freshman year was so unexpected, came out of nowhere, kind of thought, take a next step, maybe this will be the year. But yeah, they bring, I don't, do you have their production percentage returning, but it seems like quite a bit between receivers, running back, QB, offensive line, it's like pretty much. Uh, I want to say it was like uh, 69%. They're tied with Colorado State. In okay, that so that's good. So like when you look at quarterback, it's right. I think it's we could take more from him than we can like when we're talking about. I know he's not on the team, but when we're t- our Utah State show with Henry Columbia, where he two years ago played a lot in backup roles. Strong had starting mm-hmm. experience, so this is better than that. when you're playing with something on the line, like in the bowl yeah. game, rival, not just coming in when you're up by four touchdowns and not really throwing the ball. So I take a lot of stock in that, and like he could be. Um, I don't. Well, I guess we'll see when when our all conference stuff comes out because I, I haven't really seen it. You have. I haven't looked at it completely. But I don't know if he's top four quarterback. But if I'm I'm doing our rankings, like quarterback rankings, I have kind of to readjust now. But like he, when you look just in the West Division, like who's the best better quarterback? Maybe Shavon Cordero from Hawaii. Like who else is a better quarterback than him out West? Maybe one guy. No, but nobody at UNLV, Fresno. I don't think so. San Diego State. Never say they have a great quarterback just because that's not what their offense is about. So UNLV, we don't know. It's a new guy coming in with Armani Rodgers. Not new guy, but not as good, I should say. But even when you look at the Mountain Division, he'd be a bit behind like Patrick O'Brien and Hank Bachmeyer. But he's probably top third in the conference, and that's 
pretty, that's pretty good with all these guys coming back. Like this offense, like I mentioned, how CSU's offense could be one of the best to surprise people. Nevada's could be really good as well. Like I would, wouldn't exactly. be wouldn't be shocked. Like if they, like they played like some games last like twenty one ten versus New Mexico, not great, but like seventeen versus San Diego State is all you need, I guess, to beat them. But they still had games like even last year with different quarterbacks over thirty versus Purdue. I know UTEP, whatever, but thirty something versus UTEP, they seem to be a bit more consistent because Hawaii three points, Oregon's a different beast, but only six points versus Oregon, only three versus Wyoming. They need to when they play what it pattern there is better defense is sans Hawaii. They when they play a little bit better defense, they need to kind of step it up, and maybe that's the next progression they need to be a quarterback and everything else. Yeah, and I think that you know when you drill down to the into the numbers, there's also at least a couple of obvious areas where. You know, if he can improve, the team's fortunes as a whole are going to improve. Like, for instance, the fact that they asked him to do a lot in the red zone last year. He had 53 attempts, but his passer rating among Mountain West quarterbacks that had at least 20 red zone passes, the only guy in the conference with a worse passer rating was Hank Bachmeyer. That's pretty good company. Which is to be in. Kind of surprising now that I think about it. <laughs> okay, but you exactly. know, he only completed he only completed forty one point five percent of his passes, mm-hmm. and he did have six touchdowns against two interceptions. But I think, on the whole, you would want him to be more productive when they get down into that zone. Um, you know, same thing in third down situations, especially in more obvious passing downs. You know, there was a huge difference between when he was presented with you know, admittedly limited opportunities with third and short. Where he was five of eight, uh, and they can, and they moved the chains on all five of those completions, versus when it was third and four more, you know, you, he really struggled in those arenas. And although oddly enough, when you look at third and ten yards or more, he was actually a lot better than he was in third and mid. <laughs> I'm not sure what to make of that, but I, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, that's those are a couple of things you point to where just if they can improve, even just by regressing to the mean, if he can be average in that regard as a sophomore that might still represent a huge step forward for the offense as a whole. Just the ability to either move the chains once or twice more often per game or to to punch it in rather than having to settle for field goals once or twice more per game. For what they had last year, I'm looking at like yards per play. Did you know, do you notice offhand where they were yards per play in the conference? Oh, they were like ninth or 10th. They were 11th in yards per play. And for, for, for being a bowl eligible team, You'd, you'd think they'd be a bit higher. Like, they're behind New Mexico. They're behind Fresno State, who had over six yards of care, uh, excuse me, a play. Get that up, and, like, they put up a lot of yard, decent amount of yards, but they need to, like, the interception thing, sacks need to be improved. But the offense, like, they bring, what do they bring back, nine, ten starters, something like that? Oh, yeah. So this has to be better. Like, they're a bull team, and their offense, like, wasn't very, I won't say it wasn't very good, but wasn't productive, I guess. Like, there are areas where you can see November improved. But consistency at quarterback, you have the same guy and everybody back. Like, there's not a reason why this team couldn't be top three and, like, contend for one of the best offenses in the conference overall. And, yeah, I mean, I, but I think but I think more so than strong, it's Tawa that's going to be the real mm-hmm. X factor for how far this offense goes. Because, you know, and, and I don't think that the, the fault is entirely on him. Um, I think when we talk about the offensive line, they, they, they have some of the responsibility as well. But, you know, the running game was MIA way more often than it should have last year. Agreed. You, know, you talked about the fact that they were, you know, what was it, next to last or last in total yards per play? Yeah. They were also last on a per carry basis um, just in terms of yards per carry. 
and that doesn't adjust for sacks or anything like that. They were actually still pretty good at adjusting sacks. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But, you know, I don't think that there's any doubt whether you want to look at the traditional numbers of the advanced metrics that Toa kind of sort of had a down year from where yeah. he was in, in, in uh, as a freshman, which, you know, the, he had the same number of all-purpose yards or yards from scrimmage as he did as a freshman. But, you know, as far as yards per play, he went, I think it was from like five and a half to 4.8. And so I think no, he was 4.1 last year. 4.1. Mm-hmm. I was talking about because I know he also oh, totally yards, oh, yeah. kicks oh, every yeah. so often too. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, if, if he can get back to where he was in 2018, that's going to be another huge boon for the offense as well. Yeah, he had 4.97 just rushing only, 4.9 to 4.1. Like, get around, yeah. get 4.9 season, but if he can, like, I don't see why he can't get to 5 with what they have with the receiving group. We'll get to it in a moment, but, like, it, it it's, what it, it did seem disappointing because he, it could have been because he came out of nowhere. But also when we saw how this team was, like running the ball, it's like giving the ball. It's like they're not giving him the ball in certain situations because they're not trusting him or the offensive line or whatever. But it's his third year. He's been around. They're one of the few teams, again, out west that doesn't have any new staff. So that helps him as well to kind of keep things in congruency with everybody else compared to all the new staff. So that's a big boon. And it's just an area where, like, plain and simple, you just got to be better. If they're going to contend for the west, which they should, they can't be – bottom two or three in the conference in offensive categories because this team's not going to win them fully on defense. They got to score points at which they can. And so yeah, get that offense a little bit better. It's like, then they will be pretty good. Cause despite what they weren't moving the ball consistently well enough, it's going to be a team when like their schedule get to, it's not terribly difficult at front end, Arkansas, UC Davis, whoever, come on, they can take care of those teams. UTEP, they're going to have chances to get going early. But it's just the – I think it could be the progression because people are like, oh, you got the Hal Mummy, Matt Mummy's grandson about the wide-open offense passing thing. It's not there yet because we had the nickname. I forget. What's the official name? Was it the Airwolf or something? Or the Weasel? Airwolf. That, that was the unofficial nickname. Was, our, was that our nickname we gave him, the Airwolf? Yes. I want to see it this year, and I think this is the year it's going to happen. Well, and you know, the other upside for the Wolfpack too is that they it, it's not necessarily all on Tawa either. Because Devontae Lee is one of those guys where, you know, he may not be a guy that ever makes an all-conference team. He may not appear on top 50 or anything like that. But I think it's safe to say after his first two years that he's definitely one of those kind of glue guys where, you know, an offense might be able to function without him. But, you know, the fact that he's been pretty steady in his first two years and, you know, he... I would say on a per carry basis, maybe outperformed Tawa on the ground last year. You know, he's one of those guys where he's, he kind of makes it all work. And I think that, you know, if Tawa is, you know, maybe scuffling on a, in a given week that they can feel confident about turning the ball over to Lee and maybe not necessarily worrying, having to worry about a drop off on, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I think the bigger question though, is, you know, after those two, who's next because we saw them kind of sort of go by a committee. Like they didn't have a, a bell cow kind of back in the same way that Wyoming did with uh, Xavier Valade, for instance, you know, there were three guys last year who had at least seven attempts per game. And now Jackson Kincaid transferred to Washington, Michigan, you know, who's going to be that third guy. I think that could be something else that's important for them to try to identify as well. It'll need to, but like your number three running back doesn't was they get five carries a game at most. Well, that's what I'm saying. Last year they had three guys who had seven carries a game. True, 
Yeah, and but, so in a pinch, maybe or maybe it's just someone who's like their third down back, like Kelton. Yeah, Moore was a, yeah, yeah. they'll need somebody. It's uh, probably not high priority, but it's it's still something because if one goes down or something happens, which is the way it was, much depth as possible. It, it's a it is a concern. Maybe I'm overlooking it a bit more than you are because I'm. They got the two guys there, and with Talad playing every game the past two years and starting, you have at least a reliable running back. So it. It is something to look at, but again, I think the running game could be could be pretty good. So the offensive line brings back all five starters, Matt. Yeah. Cinco. Did you know they have a nickname called the Union? Did you know that? I did. I did not know that. So that's something I learned today. Looking this up, they're called the Union. Which uh, do you know why? I don't know why. Uh oh oh I knew this. <laughs> There's probably some Nevada fans who are screaming at their podcast right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. But here's the you bring I back. I cannot remember, but you know what? I'm going to say it's a very cool nickname. It is it's a nice one. So I'm looking at the – I know. well, I looked up the Union Nevada nickname. All it comes up is the Battleborn State, which is fine. And a good nickname. So let us know in, on Twitter or whatever if, well, why, what we're missing here just because uh, MWCR, check it out. Let us know. But they bring everybody back off an offensive line. Like we mentioned, the running per yard basis wasn't great. They gave up too, too many sacks. I think, what, 33 last year? So, again, experience just because they're back doesn't mean they're going to be great. But it's good to have the have it back regardless. Because odds of them being worse, it's not going to happen. Like, you know, they weren't great. They're going to be better than last year. Bringing back a whole unit, that's only going to help all the running. It's going to help everything overall. Because, again, the offensive line is what you need to win football games, which is a statement. But, like, it could reduce a couple sacks per game. Like, go down to, like, one and a half instead of almost two a game. Reduce that a little bit, get an extra yard here or there per carry, half yard, I should say. Like, it's not going to be the best offensive line, but it's going to be good enough and better than enough to get them going. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, part of last year's drop off had to do with the fact that they had their own kind of midseason transitions to deal with. And I think the most notable of those was losing Jake Nelson about midway through the year. You know, losing your left tackle, no matter who you are, is going to be damaging. And so it's to their credit that they've got, like you mentioned, they've got, I would say, six guys who had at least a month's worth of starts who are going to be back, as you know, and starting with Miles Beach and Nate Brown at tackle. You know, those are two, I think, multi-year starters on the on the edges who that's a pretty good start for any team. I think the most important thing, though, is who's going to step up at center because they've got, you know, two guys in Nathan Edwards and Tyler Orsini who are projected to at least be in a battle for the position. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, especially for an offense that relies on the passing game so much, you want to make sure that you have your protection set. And, you know, depending on how you slice it, you know, there were definitely some things that they were better at last year than not. You know, you mentioned how many sacks did they give up last year? It looks like 33. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So, I mean, if you look at the raw total, that may seem significant. But when you consider how many times they threw the ball last year... You know, their overall sack rate as a team was just outside the top 50. It was 5.7, which was 56th uh, in the country. And, you know, there wasn't really a split between standard downs and passing downs. So they were able to keep, you know, whoever was under center upright. 
and you know more importantly and i think this was evidenced as i mentioned a, a little bit ago about you know they the way that they played down the stretch that strong learned how to get rid of the ball quickly to help his own cause in that respect but i think that one thing that they are definitely going to have to improve upon to to try to rebound to where they were in 2018 is you know like i mentioned a little bit ago the running game because you know for as as solid as they were defending the pass they were also 120th in terms of line yards per carry. They were 122nd as far as opportunity rate. So, you know, Tawa and Lee weren't getting to the second level as often as they were in 2018. So that's another one of those things where it's, to me, an obvious area of improvement where even if they could just get back to the national average, that's a big step in the right direction. It definitely will be. Again, like all this talent back, there's no reason it shouldn't be better. But let's go to receiving group, which... Man, as we're talking about this team, I might want I'm Matt, I might be changing my projection for the Wolfpack, just so you know. But receiving group, they bring back one of the best receivers not named Warren Jackson in the conference. They have uh oh shoot, I'm a quarterback here. I'm trying to check out some exact st- statistics. But like they bring back Elijah Cooks, he's pretty good. Romeo Dobbs, pretty good. They bring back a lot of talent. And what did Cooks have? Like seventy something receptions last year? Yeah, I believe it was 77 for 926. Yeah, 70, here we go. 76, 8 TDs, 926, 12 yards of care, a, a catch. I was one off. And, so, yes, you know, way he, out. <laughs> and he was another one of those guys who, like Strong, really flourished down the stretch. Like after November 1st, uh, I wrote this up. Uh, I forget which article it was for. But he basically averaged eight catches and 100 yards per game after November 1st. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's <laughs> not bad. Like he's he could be like one of the best receivers out behind like Trey Walker, Warren Jackson. It's basically like him as the next receiver in that order. Essentially, Jared Smart's in the mix too. He I wouldn't be surprised if he were like if you were to go from seventy six to ninety six catches. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and and the the upside is that he's hardly alone in that regard too, because mm-hmm. Romeo Dobbs maybe on the stat sheet didn't have quite the same volume, um, but you know he. I believe outdid Cooks on a per catch basis by two uh, yards. Yep, yeah, and he missed two games as well last year. Yeah, and and that's another one of those things. I don't think we really mentioned it, or maybe mentioned it in passing. But you know, these wide receivers, in a lot of respects, were kind of dinged up off and on throughout the year. You know, Romeo Dobbs missed mm-hmm. time. There were a couple other guys who missed time, but you know, even despite that, you know, Dobbs still had forty four catches, six hundred forty nine yards, four touchdowns, and as far as big playability. He displayed just as much as Cooks did. You know, between the two of them, they combined for 24 catches of uh, of 20 plus yards. They were basically neck and neck among the conference's receivers in that regard. And you know, to me, the more interesting question is, you know, they've got a pretty reliable one too. You know, how are the receivers going to? Yeah, how are they going to earn playing time behind them? Because I think Melquan Stovall was a guy who showed flashes last year. Jamal Bell is a guy who's coming in as a true freshman who could make an impact right away. And, you know, they've got other guys coming back. You know, Isaac Jernigan, Cole Turner is a guy who's been around for a couple of years and seen some spot starts. So they've got, you know, three, four, five guys who could reasonably come in and catch 15, 20 passes this year. And I think they might need those to be able to take pressure off of Cooks and Dobbs. But, I mean, I think what we saw from both of them last year is even with tight coverage or a lot of attention paid to both of them. You know, one of my favorite catches from last year, I want to say it was Cooks, and I apologize to Romeo Dobbs if it was him. I want to say it was against UTEP. 
where he made this sideline catch and then made a and, and made the defender whiff and basically turned around and ran, you know, had a whole bunch of field in front of him for a wide open touchdown. And it wouldn't surprise me to see a lot more of that in 2020 between those two guys. It definitely would be. But also the way they want to pass the ball, they're going to need those backup guys, third, fourth, fifth receiver. And yeah. I know not part of the receiving group essentially, but Toa Tao had 30 receptions last year out of the backfield. So they yeah. throw it to a and lot that, of different ways. And that's another one of those things too. Like, you know, Tao, we didn't really talk about it when we talked about him before, but, you know, he's an outlet for strong out of the backfield. Um but that's another one of those things where he wasn't quite as productive doing that as he was in 2018 either. Like in, in, in 2018, he averaged nine yards a catch. Last year, it was closer to six. And that's another one of those little things where if the offensive line can, I don't know, set up a screen and be a little more effective, that is another one of those things where it may not be more than like a line on a stat sheet or a play-by-play or anything like that. But, you know, that could be the difference between, you know, one more first drive or one more first down in a game. And that could be the difference between one more scoring drive in a game or not. And, you know, when you, I, I should have brought this up at the beginning, but one of the things that really intrigued me in, in researching the Wolfpack for this podcast is, you know, on a net points per drive basis last year, they were essentially neck and neck with UNLV. Interesting. In, in that they were, first of all, it was a negative net points per drive it was minus 0.82 and you know both the offense and the defense really bear some responsibility for that um you know colorado state i don't think we mentioned it but they had a better net points per drive than nevada did last year and so you know going back to that idea of of turning the corner towards being more good than lucky you know it's a lot of those little things that i think could make the difference between them being kind of stuck in a rut on offense and having the same kind of year that they had or being able to get back to where they were in, you know, 2017, 2018, when they were essentially, a, you know, uh, an average to above average offense as far as being able to put the ball in the end zone. So do you think that's where they'll end up being? Like, is this the year they make the huge leap and go from near the bottom in offense to at least middle of the pack? Are you asking me to put a yes or a no behind this? I mean, do you think that's the range? Like, what range would you put, like... Where would like what offense would you compare them to? Like, would they be? I think they're going to be better. I'll answer the same question yeah. as well. But like, they're going to be at worst top half, right? You would think. I think if they are any worse than sixth, they would be a disappointment. That's what they get to like looking on a at, per play basis and a scoring offense. Yeah, basis. because if you look at the offense in their division, they're probably depending about Fresno State. That's still new, new old OC coach over there. I could see their offense being number two in the West behind just Hawaii. And then when you look at the uh, Mountain Division, they're probably going to be behind Boise, CSU, mixed with New Mexico, Wyoming, maybe overall, but obviously the disparity run past. But mm-hmm. I think middle of the pack is where they should be. Like they should be about six or six. six I, I agree with you. Six should be the baseline where they should be. Because if they're worse than that, it means something's gone wrong and they're not going to have a great, a very good season. I mean, I would think that I would say that it just means that they didn't hit their stride, which is what mm-hmm. would be the real disappointment about exactly. it. Exactly. All right, defense. We forgot to mention the coaching change at the beginning, but remember they got a new defensive coordinator now. Got rid of uh, Jeff Castile. Incoming Brian Ward. Brian Ward from Syracuse, right? Yes. Is that a good thing to come from a Power Five? But it's a Syracuse Power Five. It's like it, well, I, it's like you're saying you get the uh, Illinois defensive coordinator to come to town. I remember what I wrote because I when I 
this was a couple of months ago or a few months ago, um, I wrote something that was a little bit about each of the new coordinator hires. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to vamp for a moment, I can find that article so I could okay, so remind everybody what I wrote. No problem. I started to look as well. But So they got rid of Jeff Castile because defense clearly wasn't good. They bring in Ward from Syracuse. I'm making my joke about it, but remember, Syracuse almost beat Clemson a couple times. They played them. It is a move where they had to make it because if you look at what they've been giving up the past little while, it was time for change. It was, I believe, he was his hire because still came over when Norville got the job. But mm-hmm. at some point, you got to make the move, right? If your defense isn't progressing and being better, you got to say, sorry, buddy, we got to get better. And he comes from the Power 5 ACC, low level ACC, I'll say, admittedly, but. Uh, it's a fine mid. They, they, yeah. kind of, they've been all right under yeah. Dino Babers. Hey, remember, they almost beat Clemson once or twice, almost. That's the true. Test. So did you find what you wrote about? Was that enough time for you? Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> and, and, and shout out to Chris Murray of Nevada Sportsnet, by the way, because he actually wrote a really, you know, very detailed uh, write-up of, of the ward hire and what it could possibly mean. And so I think what I was trying to do was provide the flip side to that, because in 2018, you might remember Syracuse was a top 25 team. And for how a long? lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, they, they finished 15th in the country that year. Okay. They were in the they were in the top 10 by turnovers, sacks, third down defense. They backslid a little bit in 2018, and I think he ended up losing his job midway through the year. Um, but you know, depending on how you want to you know, look at the numbers, you could make the the pessimist case and the optimist case. Like one thing that I noted was that you know from 2018 to 2019 on a per play basis the drop off was fairly modest you know the orange average they allowed 5.83 yards per play in 2018 and it was a shade over 6 in 2019 and as far as defensive sp plus goes they were still better than the offense was last year like they were they dropped from 60th to 75th but they were still better than the offense was or, or they, where the offense ended up and they actually improved in terms of team sack rate. You know, they were just outside the top 50 with a 6.8% sack rate on defense. So, and they, and they were still really good at taking the ball away from opposing offenses as well. I think, you know, on the year they ended up behind Clemson in the ACC as far as total takeaways, and that's it. So if they can bring even like half of that stuff to Nevada, you know, that's another one of those things where, you know the offense or the defense really scuffled as far as being able to keep opponents out of the end zone too. You know, going back to the you know net points per drive allowed, um, they were still 92nd in the country. It was 2.59 points per drive allowed. Is there an adjustment uh, to remove the Oregon game to make that look they, better? <laughs> they, no, they the only adjustment that Brian Fremo makes, which if you're a numbers nerd like me, go to bcftoys.com mm-hmm. and you can find all this info for yourself. The only adjustments that they make are for uh, FCS opponents. They don't account for that. Half kidding, but that does skew it a little bit when you give up so many points. But then again... But you but you bring up a really good point because when you look at what how the team performed on defense when they won games versus when they lost games last year, huge difference. Yeah, like the how many points you give up for San Diego State and those low-scoring games when they won games they were not a lot, not a lot of points so yeah so what that difference can they when they when they won game in the seven games that they won they were fifth in the conference on a per play basis it was you know, uh, 5.09 and basically a half yard behind san diego state just to put that in context pretty good in the games that they lost they were 
basically neck and neck with Hawaii for for dead last. They gave up over seven yards per play. And I was like that in three of those games, zero touchdowns. Yeah, and so it's one of those things where you, you kind of expect it to even out. But You'd hope so. It's, 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 you would hope so, but it's really hard to imagine how or what kind of shape that's going to take because, you know, you really don't expect them to be losing games by three or four touchdowns again. And, you know, I think, again, the optimist case is that, like they are on offense, they're also not losing that much on defense either. That's another good thing, too. It's like, again, they bring production back. wasn't great, but new, there is some stuff with new, new, me, new DC. But bringing these guys back who played, and they've shown, like you, what you just went through, there are plenty of games where they played really, really well. And now yeah. they've got to be more consistent and not have multiple games where they, I guess it's offense-wise, sorry, but multiple games are giving up huge points. Like losing to Hawaii, not a big deal, but losing, giving up 51 points and putting your offense in a bad spot, not good, but also offense can score more than three. But get putting it together and being more organized and being more disciplined and being more level, you don't want to have these off the scale like a ramp. You want the seesaw to kind of be balanced where your best is, if you can see my hand here, like the best, your best and worst is more closer than it was last year. If they can ma- master that and, and I, figure that out, that would be good. That would help quite a bit. And I think it all starts up front because, you know, again, the numbers paint two very different pictures depending on what you want to believe. You know, we talked about how the offensive line really struggled to, you know, get their runners to the second level with just kind of generating a consistent running game. You know, on on a per play basis if that's all you want to look at nevada was still pretty good about defending the run like they weren't like san diego state or or air force type but they they only allowed 4.3 yards per play and when they were on their game they were maybe one of the best run defenses in the group of five because again you look at the disparity between the games that they won and the games that they lost seven wins 2.88 yards per carry allowed in six losses, Uh-oh. seven five five point six. <laughs> oh wait, I said seven. No way. But then, yeah, find the middle ground, but, guys. Like, but or, but you know, but all those things considered, you know, they were still inside the top fifty as far as line line yards per carry allowed. They were in the top forty as far as opportunity rate allowed, and they were fortieth in stuff rate. So they were getting, you know, they were stopping runners at or behind the line. And they were in the top 25 as far as power success rate. So they had a lot of success being able to get off the field in short order situations. And, you know, obviously the headliner of the group is Dom Hammond. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that you can necessarily ignore the contributions of everybody else coming back on the offensive line. Because while there may not be a lot of other grabby names in the unit, you know, I think the only guy that they're really losing is Hausia Sakona. You know, Chris Green is coming back, Cameron Toomer is coming back, Sam Hammond is coming back, and all those guys were solid contributors at a minimum. I think the trick is just doing it on a more – like even if they aren't quite as dominant as they were when they were winning games last year, you know, even you know, evening it out to five yards a carry in the games, in the games where they're, maybe they're tussling a little more than they want to or four and a half yards per carry could be a massive difference. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Even like, yeah, that's, that's a huge difference. It's clearly that little bit is what you need to do. So again, they bring back everybody on this team. Like, what do you like going through? Like, what are besides the scoring against elite teams and level or not? Was there an area where you're like, hey, maybe if you can improve, not the yards per play thing, but like anything that's like, hey, 
be just a little bit better here, this could make or break this defense and make or next level. Because I know you have Don Peterson, who's probably their best defender overall, like you said up front. But like, what what are some areas where you think where it's like, yeah, if they just do this, that'll get them to the next level? Pass defense. Okay, pass defense. That makes a lot of sense because they were uh, pretty at the bottom of the conference, right? They're giving up what sixteen touchdowns, I think it was. No, sorry, excuse me, thirty-one touchdowns. I was looking at UNLV; they're right below them. Yeah, I think thirty-one touchdowns is a good place to start, right, man? That secondary needs to get in ship shape. Yeah, I mean, we we had a similar kind of discussion about New Mexico when we went through the Lobos podcast, but uh, you know, Nevada wasn't that far away. No. You know, they were on a, on a per attempt basis, they were next to last in the conference. They allowed eight yards per pass. Like you mentioned, they gave up 31, 31 touchdowns, which was also next to last in the conference. And you know, the one hundred and forty seven point forty seven passer rating, again, also next to last. So, you know, some of that. I think has to do, or I would say most of that has to do with the fact that they were bringing in a lot of young players, especially on the back end. But, you know, by the end of the year, again, I think that you could start to see that this, this unit was coming together a little bit. Um, you know, just in terms of, you know, November, for instance, you know, they improved from, you know, 11th on the season to being just fifth. Uh, as far as opponents passer rating in November. So they were improving as the season went along, and I think a lot of that has to do with the guys on the back end especially. You know, Tyson Williams is, again, one of those guys who may not be a household name, but he was one of the more regarded recruits of their class. I want to say it was the 2017 class, 2018 class. But, you know, he's a guy when, you know, with a full uh, season's worth of starts under his belt, you know, you know, he, he's a guy who could make that jump to being an all-conference performer. I believe he was first uh, on the team, if I'm not mistaken, in total tackles. He was, so 85, which um, you don't want to see, right? You'd rather have somebody else up front take care of that. Yeah, and, and you know, he had, you know, one interception, two tackles for loss, but he and, and seven pass breakups, which I think is one of those things where, you know, we talked about it last week with the Air Force losing a lot of passes defended. That's one of those things where Nevada, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, they're bringing a lot of those back because, you know, they're bringing Austin Arnold back, who had four pass breakups. Burdell Robbins is the senior. He's probably their number one corner. He had five pass breakups last year. And so, you know, that's one of those things. It may seem obvious, but pass breakups correlate to interceptions. Mm -hmm. And while they had 11 interceptions last year, that's another one of those things where if they get a little more a little more lucky than they were last year in converting, getting hands uh, on balls into securing turnovers. That's one of those things that could uh, make a huge difference for them. So what else? I feel like I'm saying, I feel like I'm saying that a lot. It can be, it, it, you know, well, it's true. Sense. It's not, it's not wrong. Like they, the defense has the talent, returning talent, returning players, but you're right. Like it's a team where we're on the verge of them doing just a, a handful of small things to being really, really, really good. I think that's what we're looking at. I'm like, okay. And again, you mentioned how they played second November. Like the second half of the year is why people, even myself, now looking into it more, we should be a lot more high in the Wolfpack. For their final six games, they didn't give up over 300 yards. Defense, that helped secondary. We saw the Carson Strong did the first or the second half of the year when he was the incumbent starter. Look at how well they played the second half of the year. Yeah, they lost their final two games. But overall, as a team, they beat San Diego State, which is a really good team, obviously, beat them, what, 17 13. They went during the last in November on they yeah they played in Mexico but they went three and two, 
okay, they're both their losses were close losses. Like the Ohio game was just a nine point loss, and Strong had probably his best game where the running game was stifled. But they're a team where they go four and three and two down the stretch. They, I don't know. I I just think this team. You're right. It's a lot of small things. For them to get like I forget what other team I mentioned, but I probably said the same thing before against maybe it's Wyoming or something. I don't recall, but like just get five percent better, and this team could be really good at win the West Division. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also going to be a lot of pressure on the on the linebackers stepping up into more prominent roles to you know, kind of make sure that it's not all on the defensive line to be disruptive. Because you know, Gabe Sewell, I think, is that was the big name last year. He had five and a half tackles for loss. He's he's gone. And Lawson Hall is expected to move into the middle, I believe. And so they've got some guys who've seen at least a little bit of playing time that are set to flank him. And, you know, Trevor Price, Giovanni Miranda, you know, or even guys behind them like Josiah Bradley, Landon Toure. But, you know, those are guys who have yet to really prove it on an extended trial or in an extended trial, rather, excuse me. Uh, on the field and so i think if you're if you're looking for maybe breakout stars on this defense that you know guys like miranda guys like price are probably the two that i'm looking at as being potentially huge difference makers especially because they don't need to be like all world linebackers like they don't necessarily need to be blake reed disruptive for them to have huge impact on this defense improving from where they were last year exactly so as I mentioned, the offense, if the defense does just the, like I mentioned, five, ten percent better, narrow those yards per play gaps and wins and losses, is this a team where, like, could this team win? We'll get to predictions, but like, if they're going to win the West Division, which is an impossibility, we mentioned defense being middle of the, excuse me, offense being like middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Defense last year, they were ninth. So if they're middle of the pack in both, is that good enough to win the, to like contend for the West? If they're, like fifth in yards per play in offense and defense. Is that enough? I think even if the defense struggles to take a step forward, they should still be in a position to contend for the West division. Okay. It would just be kind of weird to have an offense defense that are average, but win the division. Right. Not that wide open this division. is. It is. But it's like looking at who they have back, like the offense could be really, uh, maybe I'm underselling the offense a bit, which I think I am, but compared to last year to now, but I just think the offense will be really good. So defense, same thing. It's like just get get under like five point seven yards per per play allowed, and you're pretty good. That's about middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with who they have coming back, because again, they're going to be fine. Like I don't want to undersell this team, but I'm trying not to get too much on it. But that November schedule, like they they improved quite a bit, and all the real the only real change they have is the new defensive coordinator. Most everybody else is back. They bring back obviously Norvell, the single quarterback. They do the three-three-five defense. They only lose one defensive back in that group. All the defense really needs to, in my opinion, is get a bit more pressure on quarterback. That would go so much to help out the secondary and everything else. I think that's kind of their biggest uh, thing. If they do that better, that'll help them overall quite a bit. And I guess the touchdown pass as well, clearly. But that all goes together. You get more pressure on the quarterback. Quarterback can't be as confident, as comfortable in the pocket. They get disruption. I think that's kind of the biggest thing they need, they need to do to help them overall to win more games. Yeah. All right. So, what do we got for special teams? Well, um, Brandon Talton is the guy yeah, that's leading the way. I think he's the most obvious standout from the group. Game and winner. Why not? You yeah. know, you, you, I mean, you walk off two separate games, you're you're gonna get some. You're gonna get noticed. And you're opener versus Purdue. Come on. 
last year. But I mean, it, but it wasn't just that too. It's that, you know, he was reliable pretty much all the year long. I think he was like, what, 21 of 26 on field goal tries. Yeah, it's pretty good. Missed, they missed 84%. And, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And, and there were a lot of kicks that weren't necessarily gimmies either. So, I mean, if he could come close to approaching that again, I think that that part of the game is going to be in really good hands for them. Reliable but, kicking I mean, is hard to get. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, because we, we've seen how reliable kicking can go sideways. I don't think you have to look any further than Colorado State Yikes. as a really good example of that. But, you know, I think that, you know, Conway, who we gave a shout out to at the very beginning for his question, he may not have been as as you know big of a standout as you know someone like Ryan Stonehouse or Tyson Dyer, for instance. But I think he was still had a, a very quality season. Like he was still fifth among qualifying punters with you know basically 43 yards per punt. And again, we've seen in recent years how you know quality punters can be hard to replace off the bat too. So they have options. Like Julian Diaz, I think was one guy who was forecasted as being the front runner. Um, but they also have a couple other guys listed on their current roster: Charlie Pollock, Eric Fellinzer, who could be in the mix for that. Um, but that could be one of those focal points where if if there is a guy who struggles to get a, a stranglehold on the job, you know, if the defense is working with less than ideal field position more often than not, that could offset whatever improvements the defense makes. So that's something else that I think I, I'm interested in keeping an eye on is who's going to replace Conway as a punter. It's a big deal. Yeah, you're right, because those yards here and there, because even a five-yard net average difference is a big deal. Yeah. That could be going from a touchback to not touchback, which is like 20 yards, I guess, if you don't kick properly. If you, yeah, that few yards, like, well, it's just five yards, but well, five yards, like you mentioned, how unreliable college kickers are. I'd rather kick a 36 yarder than a 41 yard field goal. So that's always just something to look at. But, uh, exactly. You can't be all Ryan's Colorado State kicker, but it's like, just uh, be pretty good. That's all you want to do, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you, you don't think about it until nope. something is glaringly wrong. <laughs> That's too late then, right? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then it's really frustrating to watch. So that that's one of those things that, you know, we talk about all, a lot of these little things that could make or break, have, you know, whatever breakthrough the Wolfpack could have this year. And that's just another one on the list. All right, ready for schedule time? Let's do it. All right, so as of recording, today's what, July 19th, right? Is that correct? That is correct. Nevada has a 12-game schedule right now as of this moment. So that's always something going forward as we get mid-season, or not mid-season, but uh, mid-summer, I guess, to see what who's doing what and who's playing who. So the schedule is pretty favorable, I would say. They start off oh, yeah. UC Davis, victory, right, versus the Aggies? Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of came down from where they were in 2018. I don't think that the Wolfpack are in danger of getting shocked in this one. Okay, I'm looking at Bill C's projections here. They go to Arkansas. How has Nevada only been given like a 28% chance to beat the uh, the Hogs down there in Fayetteville? That's a really good question. Because San, San Jose State beat them last year. Remember that? I do. That was a pretty good victory. Arkansas, and, and why Colorado, do they... Colorado State gave them a run too. Why do they keep on playing these Mountain West schools? What's the deal? I kind of think that the the SP is underselling the offense a little bit because when you when you and if you're not looking at this, I'll just spell it out that you know Nevada's projected SP plus is 110. Yeah, that seems way too. And I low. think that it, and that is really anchored in the fact that their offensive SP plus projection is 111th. I think that that's low. So do I. Yeah, 
It's it should be. What do you think it should be? 80s, 70s, sick 50s? Yeah, I mean, I think that the game is ultimately a lot closer to 50-50 than That's whatever SP Plus is putting yeah. out there right now. Also should be noted, this is Arkansas's opener. Nevada's game is week zero versus UC Davis. I mean, it could, it could be that, you know, Arkansas could not be any worse than they were last year. Yeah. What, what was the record last year? It was 2-10. Yikes. So, is their head coach still the same coach? Did they get a new coach no, again? No, they, they, gave, they gave Chad Morris the stinky boot, and they brought in Sam Pittman. That's right, Sam Pittman. Okay. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Their leading pass quarterback is not San Jose State for last year. Nick Starkle is gone. It's probably what Ben Hicks is that the presumpt starter. I'm assuming that make the most sense. No, I think he moved on. Oh, I'm he moved on as well. Who's 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 their quarterback? Did I thought it was Ben Hicks? Did they lose everybody? So okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up. Uh, oh, you know what? They brought in Felipe Franks from Florida. Okay, there. Mm, I Flo- forgot all about that. Come on, Florida's offense. I don't trust that. <laughs> I mean, Florida's offense has been better under Dan Mullen. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I, I'm I'm wondering if. Or if our good friend Brandon is shaking his head right now. <laughs> he probably agrees with me. He's like, the defense is great, but he never chose Florida. Here's the reason why I'm going to pick Nevada for victory. New quarterback. They lose t- Traylon Burks or starting running back. Or no, sorry, not Traylon Burks. Um, Rakeem, Rakeem Boyd is gone. So I, talk- believe, I believe he's back. He's still listed on the roster. Am I? Did the ESPN fool me and already update their roster from last year to this year? It might be. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm at the Arkansas website. And I apologize. Still listed on the okay. roster. What I was doing is looking at the 2018 schedule. Usually when I click in there, it tells you what their current year was. So I guess I may have updated. So I apologize for my apologies for that. So if he's back, he's their biggest offensive weapon, clearly. Their running back, Ricky Boyd. But I would imagine so. I, I guess this is where Nevada's rushing game needs to come in and do, do a few good things. But again, new quarterback, new running, or running backs there. Receiving group's young. They didn't throw great last year. But they had a bunch of guys who got like 300 yards. So there's a there's some potential there from like a guys who are getting like uh, Traylon Burks, 16 yards or a catch. T- uh, no touchdowns though. So you want to average that out. Deep threat but no touchdowns. That's not really good either. And mm-hmm. can we just go to the fact they were t- 2 and 10 last year and call it a day? Yeah, I mean, I think we can. They do lose their best defender, Dijon Harris, who's with the Patriots. I did get that one right because I'm checking here now. That um, is correct. So. Like, new coach, new quarterback, not a great receiving group, losing... New coordinators, new, by the way. Yeah, new everything. Bill, I need to take the task to Bill C, but I'm predicting Nevada to get this victory. Which no, 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 be- don't, let's not blame Bill C. Let's blame the computer for its blind slots. Who made the computer program? <laughs> I'm just saying, I feel like I feel like Nevada's <laughs> in the same boat that he, he, he routinely talks about with the service academies. Where the routine, where mm-hmm. where Navy, Army, and Air Force are continually undersold by SP Plus. Yeah, I feel like Nevada is in kind of the same situation. Well, what would make them lower? Like why? It could be recruiting. Could be you know, there's a number of things that go into SP okay. Plus. I know. I'm just some I'm of just... it. Some of it is like year to year SP Plus ranking things mm-hmm. like that. Like low last and five average years, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm with you. I I think Nevada is going to go on the road and win this game. They're going to beat UTEP. UTEP's garbage. UTEP, yeah. They're basically an FCS team, right? I, I want them to be good eventually. They used to be pretty but, good. But they're, but they're not, but they're not going to be good this year. Is there any chance they would beat Nevada? They were a little bit pesky last year before Nevada ultimately pulled away. That's true. Um, I'm, not, I'm not seeing a lot of upside, though, to be honest. Here's why it's an automatic victory. SP Plus, 
this is their most likely victory, 90%. There you go. UC Davis is only 71%. <laughs> Yikes. All right, then we get to the good the meat of the schedule here. Their first conference, or excuse me, not first conference game. Yeah, Hawaii, San Jose State. No, 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 you're, you're, you're skipping over a couple. Wait, what, what schedule do I do here? What am I doing here? Oh, wait. What am I looking at? Did I put they, last they go to They go to South Florida. Wait, oh, <laughs> I no, I did not hear. You know how terrible I am at the last second? I was filling out my game-by-game. Uh, game. I was looking at 2019 schedule, filled out game-by-game. Game. Uh, that that, that, that kind of gives you a little uh, – that's not good, right? Because I have Weber State yeah. and we, the UC Davis listed here. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead with South Florida while I get my thoughts together here. Well, okay, so South Florida, also going into a new era. Jeff Scott, I believe, coming down from Clemson, yeah, right? One of the OCs, yeah, offensive right? offensive coordinator, Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson is very hot these days, apparently. Um, I honestly didn't look that much into South Florida. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, David. You're right on that. However, I guess I guess the biggest thing they bring back their starting quarterback, so there's that. But they're dead last in like. Offense does that mean anything? <laughs> Hundred twelve. It's, it's probably it's probably going to be a rough year. Sophomore quarterback, sophomore leading running back. Mm-hmm. Who, if I'm because they're they're losing Jordan Cronkite, who he only gained like six hundred eighty six yards last year. Was, and the, the other yeah. leading guy coming back, Kelly Joyner Jr. He he did average over five yards a carry, but he only had seventy one carries. So there's a lot left for that backfield to prove. There is. Also, it should be noted, one of the wins somehow was versus BYU last year. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> that was one of the few they had. Okay. So victory for Nevada, correct? Yes. Okay, so let me make sure my schedule correctly. Cause I'm, they had, that's out, at South Florida. How about you do the schedule? Because I don't think mine's correct still. Well, who do they got next? Okay. So they open conference play with the game that I think is going to decide the West Division. At home against San Diego State. Definitely will decide the division. We already talked about this game before. It's San Diego State preview, so you kind of know where we're leaning. But I label this as a toss-up, I believe. So did SP Plus. I'm pretty sure, Like, and don't quote me on this because i got to pull the tab back up real quick. I think SP Plus has like literally every conference game for Nevada between like like 40 and 60 percent they do they have just really quick 37 percent this game in at hawaii lowest highest is 59 tied with at new mexico and then at unlv so literally every game could go either way Hmm. that so what do you make of that i mean tough schedule like uh they're comparable with other teams what do you think that means I mean, I want to say that I think it's comparable to other teams, but also it's like, like I said before, I do think that SP Plus is underselling Nevada a little bit. So we we, we both had San Diego State winning though, right? Didn't you? No. Oh. No, I didn't. Oh. I had Nevada winning that Apologies. game. Apologies. So Nevada fans are like you and not me then apparently. That's what you're saying. Yes. I do put this as a toss-up because this is at Mackey Stadium, whatever that means it's or people that are not. But you get them at home. San Diego State, obviously a new head coach, sort of Brady Hoke, new quarterback. We go to our previews before and listen to them, but they won last year. Nevada did on the road, seventeen to thirteen. I don't disagree that they could come in, they could win at home. I'm just leaning towards San Diego State partly because I trust them more, which kind of is like a cop out a little bit. But 
Nevada's for me this year. Prove it to me this year, and then I'll give you the benefit out next year. I think I mean, for me it comes down to having bigger questions about the Aztec offense than I do about the Wolfpack's defense. Yeah, because going up against Aztec defense is never easy for anybody. Yeah, but I do. But I would also say that the strength on strength of the Wolfpack offense against the San Diego State defense is going to be must-watch television. Oh yeah, this this will be. I agree. This game will very likely decide the West Division title. And apparently, I'm going against the Wolfpack. Sorry, Wolfpack fans. All right, then, then they have their two back to back. I got the schedule right here, Matt, proper, correctly here. At Hawaii, at New Mexico, back to back. Or no, they have a bye in between there, but back to back road games. Hawaii, I think it's. We're talking about the Hawaii, what they got. We know that they're going to pass the ball a lot, but again, this will be one of those games that we're at test at Nevada secondary if they're going to give up 30 plus touchdowns again. And this is probably going to be their. I'll say it, this will be their toughest challenge for secondary all year long. Aztecs aren't throwing the ball. UTEP ain't throwing the ball. Aggies don't throw the ball as much. San Jose State probably does it. Wyoming well, definitely not. I'm not sure about UNLV, but this will be the game for that secondary. It's like, all right, good to go. You proved you can beat this team. And that's I think it kind of speaks. I think it kind of speaks to the larger point that if Nevada's going to stumble this year, I think it's going to be most likely against high-powered offenses, like last year, right? Essentially, the upside is that they don't face that many. Just, and I think, like you yeah. said, Hawaii is kind of the first stiffest test in that regard. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Arkansas is going to bring, especially but especially on the road. That too, that's part of it too. On the road, I have this as a loss for for Nevada, but it's almost a toss up. But again, on the road, tough offense, going off what the, what they did last year versus good offenses. And again, we're projecting that Hawaii's offense will still be nearly as good as last year, which I think that should be fine with Jared Smart. Shavon Cordero, um, transfer receivers coming in. It'll be their toughest test. And if they can win that game, that'll go a long way. But back-to-back San Diego State-Hawaii, that's tough, man. I think if they win that game, they could run away with the division. So you're assuming they win both games? Or just... Well, no, because if you because if you listen to our Hawaii podcast, you know I have them losing that one. I know, I know. I'm just in general. So you think if they beat Hawaii, they should be able to win the division? Yes, that's more important than San Diego State. You're saying? Well, no, I'm just saying like if they because I, I think they're going to beat San Diego State, but I think if they also mm, gotcha. beat Hawaii, you know, I think that those are the two teams most likely to challenge them for division. No, that clearly and, makes sense. Yeah, and so while you know SP Plus suggests that there's really no gimmies after that, nope. that they would definitely have like a significant upper hand by having those two wins in their back pocket. Yeah, if they can get both of those, they're they're going for sure to win the division because that would put them at probably four and two, five and one for who they have the rest of the way. But yeah, I, I, I don't see a split is what would they'd ideally want. I don't have them as split. I have them losing both those games. Then then they go to New Mexico, which they should win. Fresno State, it's gonna be again, we'll get to them when we talk about it, but their offense should be better. This would be another. Do you think this would be a decent test for that Wyoming or should be the uh, Nevada defense, based on what? Fresno's yeah, done because before? I mean, I'll, I feel like I've said this before too, but I'll say it again. Like offense wasn't the problem for Fresno State last year. Defense, and so yeah, the defense had a drop off, and I think the biggest challenge will be replacing some of the components and, and developing some of the components on the offensive side of the ball. So. 
Yeah, I'm not going to say that it's a one-to-one comparison with Nevada, but I think that they are kind of in the same boat where I, I would expect this game to be competitive like it was last year when Nevada went on the road and won it. And I think that, you know, I don't expect a huge drop-off for the Bulldogs offense, but I don't know if they have enough answers on defense right now to, to come back and win this game. So I have Nevada winning it. I have Nevada winning it as well. Then they, they host Utah State, which now change at quarterback. I have that as a win, but I could see it being competitive. Then mm-hmm. then the final three games, again, it's just not, it's at San Jose State, home to one, not UNLV. They uh, should beat San Jose State, right? I think we're fair to say that. I don't think they'll beat Wyoming. Partly because what Wyoming, like not that Wyoming's going to outscore them. The way they'll keep that game, like the, what they'd want to do to win the game, is to keep it, it's going to be probably a low-scoring game. Because that's what Wyoming does. And so then that relies on the defense to try to stop Xavier Valley from running the ball a lot. See, I have them beating Wyoming, but losing to San Jose State. Wow. Explain that to people. Get your rationale out there. <laughs> well, it's what I said a minute ago. I think I if they're if they're going to stumble, I think it's going to be against good offenses. So you're saying Spartans are going to have a good offense? I do. We'll get to them. We haven't talked about them yet, so we'll see. I know they got Trey Walker, a few guys, but okay. Well, how they beat? Well, I mean, um, I just I don't even see that being. I know SP plus and what basically a toss about forty three percent. I think that's I mean, too I think, close. I think some of it. Some I think that the you know, the game against Wyoming and the game against Hawaii are kind of similar in that I don't expect them to belly flop in the same way that they did. I hope not. Uh, last season, you know, you you go back over the last five years and you're basically going back to the five games that they played against each other all the way back to 1997. Before mm-hmm. last year, each of the five previous matchups between Nevada and Wyoming were decided by one score. Interesting. 2016, 2015, 2012, 2000, 1997. I kind of see both of these teams being in a similar kind of boat. Where, but I think Nevada is in a better situation by virtue of being in the in the in the less stacked division. So I do think too, yeah. I do think it'll be competitive between those two games. But you know, I mentioned it in in the Wyoming podcast that we did that I do think Nevada should be able to outlast them. I mean, I can, I can see that. I can see it happening. I hear you. I just think that traditionally, again, I want Nevada. This is a prove-it year for them to me, for me to give the benefit down against good teams. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm leaning for there. Then they end up at UNLV, which is always a crazy game because last year, the big fight, P players are suspended for week zero, week one. The trophy stays red. Throw the records out the window. Yeah, exactly. It's a... Uh, 33-30 last year was a wild game going to overtime for this matchup. The game-winning touchdown for the Rebels. Even though we, we'll talk about that later, but new head coach. All we, what we really know, they got Charles Williams, some decent receivers. Secondary got torched all day last year. And so maybe this is a game where – what did he throw last year? Was it the 400-yard game that uh, Carson Strong had? Uh, no, I believe that was that was in the bowl game, I believe. So what did he have? In that game, he had 351, close enough. You know what I mean? Like Elijah Cook's at 151 yards. This is a game where this is right for Nevada to score a lot of points, and that's where I think they yeah, get I the mean, victory because of that. I would say over the last over the last few years, it has been mm-hmm. that hasn't always equated to winning the game. Sure, but I think on paper Nevada should have the upper hand in this game, which is why I have them painting the Fremont cannon blue. 
Blue. All right, so I have them going four and four in league play. Eight and four overall. What do you got? Ten and two. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Ten, ten and two. Ten, ten wins. Ten and two? What? Ten, ten and two, six and two Ooh. in conference. And the two losses again are? Uh, at Hawaii, at San Jose State. So you're telling me, ten win season, but they lose in San, to San Jose in the Bay Area. Yes. That's what you're saying. Ten and two. I'm just gonna- this whole season is not going to make any sense. I think it's really hard to is it, it, Hold on. We found the team. Matt, this is the team, right, that you always have one year that you oversell. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, no I'm staking my claim on Nevada this year. I know. Like, you, you know I, I, I feel like I should have said it on the onset, and I know I've been teasing it in literally every other preview podcast where we've talked about <laughs> Nevada. But I've been wondering. I, I mean, I've been wondering I'm, because I'm ready to I'm ready to come out and declare – and I'm leading the Wolfpack bandwagon for 2020. All right. You and fake Matt Mummy going for the ride, driving? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you always have the team, and you've been pretty spot on most of the past couple of years of getting this team that didn't do – they were fine last year. They, it's not like a two- or three-win team to go to like 10 or whatever. But, yeah. okay, that's – I have them eight and four. So 10 and two probably – you could do the math right now, folks. If he has them beat San Diego State, this – it's probably Matt's West Division team, maybe. Maybe. Seems like it. You don't have to say it now. We'll get to it later. Okay. But it's a team you're high on, essentially, which probably leads toward that direction. That is correct. All right. So that's – anything else we got to add here? We got uh, we got the Wolfpack, 8-4. You got them 10-2. and two. We uh, have our all-conference team coming out this week, so check that out. Uh, we already have our player co- – oh, we, should we give a congratulations to the offense coordinator for Nevada? Matt Mummy, Matt we are, Mummy. We're, no pressure, no pressure. I'm expecting big things. Coordinator <laughs> of the year, we announced him. Not just you, apparently a lot of people like it, right? Like him, yeah. They, yeah, no, no pressure. Like I put it that way. So, all right. So Nevada, we, that's our show this week. We're gonna have uh, another podcast later. We only have a couple teams left. We have my math has been terrible. We have the past. Exactly four teams left. Uh, four teams. So those are Boise State, um, Fresno State. San Jose State and UNLV, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, okay, I was making sure. I was going slowly to think if I'm correct on that. So check right, us out. I, I, I appreciate it. I got something right. Apparently my scheduling skills were wrong earlier in the show. But check us out MWR.com. Of all of our previews, countdowns, we're doing a little bit few different previews. We're kind of scrapping our out-of-conference previews because shrug emoji, Matt, we don't know what's going to happen. But we're throwing uh, out the shrug emoji again, yeah. Our one dream of Utah State playing Alabama is likely not going to happen week one because Alabama's looking at BYU. Shake our fist at BYU because uh, that seems uh, that would have been pretty cool. LOL BYU. That too. And, and whatever, it's fine. But SEC, here's one thing to look at really quick. We'll wrap up with this. SEC really wants to play games for a couple reasons. We like to see football, but so if there are some teams, they haven't lost many games, but. Well, be on the lookout if, say, there's some Mountain West teams losing games that maybe the SEC might be able to play an extra Mountain West team or two, which also means Arkansas game versus Nevada is likely safe. Um, are there any other SEC games on the schedule? we got Vanderbilt, CSU. Basically, as as of recording, which should be our mantra, Matt, as of recording, as of this time, if the Mountain West team is playing a SEC team, plan all that happening, right? That seems to be the safe bet, but of course, everything these days is touch and go with scheduling. It's so. like I'm saying, it's like the spring eagle or week to week here. So exactly, I'm just saying that's what, just if you're looking for a positive thing, 
look into that, but we'll see. But that's it for today. We'll be back next time to preview one of the final four teams. Maybe a uh, maybe a surprise with another podcast here and there. We'll, we'll see how that goes, but we'll see you next time, everybody.